But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. Welcome back, everybody, to the White Beard and TK podcast. This is Thursday, so y'all know what's going on, right? This is the Book Nook. Welcome back. Um, I am one of your hosts here. I am T. Anthony, and standing right next to me is... Scooby-Doo. Oh, my gosh. Didn't you already do... Come on now. Stop it. This is... Scooby-Doo. It's Scooby-Doo. <laughs> standing next to me is Elizabeth. The soon-to-be-old 18-year-old child. So, you're back. And if you came back, that means you're ready for us to dive into chapters 7 and 8. Right. Chapter 7's title is what? He must be committed to children. He must be committed to children. And I will add, she must be committed to children too. And I'll tell you why I say that in a moment. But remember, we are still talking about, for some of you who've just jumped on this bandwagon, this book was written by Vody Bakum a few years ago and it is called, What He Must Be If He Wants to Marry My Daughter. In this, he lays out a plan of things that we should raise our children to be and to look for. And might I add that this, we're talking about a Christian household, a Christian family, and Christian children, and those who profess to be followers of Christ and who read the word and live by this. Now, there are many who say this, and there are many who don't live by these things, and there are many who say it and make the mistakes along the way. And when we're talking about marriage, this is a very big decision. And so in this book, we're talking about um, and we're looking into as he's speaking, uh, not speaking, as laying this out, is that when our children become marrying age, these are certain things that we ought to be looking for and helping guide our children and looking for these things themselves. So we should be raising our sons to be men like this, and we should be raising our daughters to be looking for men like this. And if we call ourselves to be these children of God, um, we first start off at the beginning of all this, which is he must be a Christian. You don't want to be on the yoke. So, I mean, that, that, that should be plain right out there. There isn't no, well, maybe I can turn him. No, he must be a Christian. That's it. That's the start. And so, and as we're going on, there are more things of, okay, now what, what are we looking for as far as character goes? So um, I'm not going to recap what we did last week. You go back and listen to that. But that's what we're talking about when we're talking about this book. And that's what this book is geared toward. And I said, it doesn't just have to be for people within the Christian community. This doesn't have to be just for people who claim to be that they are Christians. The same principles that are in here that are being laid out could be for anybody because we are at a point in society where men are not men, where young men are not being raised as young men, where little boys are not being raised to be little boys to grow into little men. We're in a part in society where they're just trying to erase all of that and turn these guys into something else. And I got to tell you right off the bat, you know, before we even get even deeper into this whole thing, is that I've watched this girl sit next to me. And we watch many of movies. And I've seen her reaction to certain people. Now, I'm afraid to ask her about my reaction and what she sees me when we're watching these things. But I'm going to do that live right here so you can hear it. And I'm really scared about what her answer is going to be. But this wouldn't be our show without foolery happening. But I can tell you this, for any potential suitor, 
Um, I've watched her, and I've seen some of her comment and things that we've watched in the and watching the theater. Um, we've gone to theaters and we've seen plays. Well, not in 2020, and who knows what happened 2021. And I've seen when we've been out traveling together and when we've walked into the stores and we've seen people. And I hear some of the comments she says about the things she sees on TikTok and online. But as far as when we're watching movies and things, um, I've seen her kind of light up to alpha males. Now, I'm not talking about the guy that's, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, um, put it like this, betas and zetas, that ain't going to happen. She's mentioned many times that the person has to be taller than, I don't know where she get this from, but anyway, you know, someone who, who looks like uh, he can protect. Um. But like, like I said, I've seen her light up on, you know, on screen with alpha males that come in, you know, that they're on screen. These guys who are manly men. You know what I'm saying? The masculine men. You know, the masculine men of old or whatever else. You know, the dude coming in with a sword. With a sword. You know, a guy with a lumberjack shirt on who is an actual lumberjack. Not a guy wearing a lumberjack and a beard eating a latte and talking. Um, <laughs> no, we're talking the menly men. Now, I could be wrong in this, but I don't think so. Because we've had this conversation and she said some things, so... Yeah, what are you going to say? Um, I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, I'm five foot three. You sure it's not five who's, two? The little who's, who's trying to date a six foot two man at this point? I, I'm good. I, you know what I mean? Like, the dude is a whole four foot, four feet taller than you. You're going to get married. That makes no sense to me. So you just totally just told what everything I just said was a lie. Well, um, you don't know who the Lord is going to send you, but if you're five foot three and Sir walks up to you and he's five foot, I yeah, mean, yeah. I'll see, just, see the smile and I'll never be able to wear heels again in my entire life. Right. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that women are like that. They don't speak most of it. The only time you really hear ladies talking about a height, not even a height requirement, are those who are nearly six feet tall and who are six feet tall, who have an issue because you can't find a lot of men that are taller than them. And a lot of men who are shorter than them are afraid to be out in the street with someone who's taller than them. I have not that issue, but we're not talking about me yet. But when they're talking, I'm not talking height. I'm talking about the character of the character in the level of masculinity that you seem to you seem to find attractive and that you're attracted to. We're not talking height. Yes, because if I get attacked by an alligator, um, I want the guy to be able to punch it, and it'll just be knocked out for the rest of the day that may sound cruel to the alligator but the alligator tried to kill me so who cares if it's cruel but to an alligator but also there has to be a balance because I don't want a guy that's like drinking soy milk makes me gay even though I have a lactose intolerance homie just drink the soy milk <laughs> it's not that serious that is where you have your masculinity is so fragile that you'd just rather have diarrhea for weeks than just drink some oat milk. It's like those guys over at uh, Black Rifle Coffee, which we drink. They do not sponsor us, but hey, um, <laughs> they they're constantly laughing at soy boys, right? But Matt, come on, man! Every time we see Matt, he's got on shorts. And Evie's wearing barefoot, or he's got on some sort of thong sandals on, correct? Am I right? Mm -hmm. They laugh at these guys, but they dress like them, and they're all into coffee themselves. Kind of like the soy boy. But here's the difference with the guys from the Black Rifle podcast and those who created that, and that whole atmosphere, is that, sure, 
they're really, I mean, they're really into this coffee culture. They'll grind their own. They have the uh, Kim, Kim, whatever that, that jar is, and pour it in there, right? But, 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 but. If someone walked into a store and tried to rob it, if someone came over and tried to hurt another family, or if there was a car that was stuck on the side of the road, they would be the first guys to pick up arms and fight for those people's lives. They would be the first ones that would help out. So it's not like these guys are wimpy, even though they're all into coffee. But the point that we were talking about are the you know the whole coffee culture people that grew up with the millennials and whatever you want to call them. Um, who grew up and thought it was like the coolest thing to drink a coffee and wear this and wear a beard and call themselves a hipster, whatever it is. So we're talking that. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm saying, you've always looked at them as like, oh, please. That's what I'm saying. Now, we need to do get into this chapter because part of what I just said kind of relates to this and probably more so chapter eight. But here goes the scary part. You've sat with me, you've seen me in society, we have walked, and I see things on screen, and what can you say about the character that I seem to gravitate towards? Smart. Smart? Yes. Usually, whatever female character it is, or person, um, is intelligent. Uh, flying spaceships, doing math and science and things like that. <laughs> and kicking butt and taking names. Very good. Okay, that wasn't as scary as I thought it was. Yes, I do find intelligent women very, very attractive. I think I've said that before. And, and I find it, um, I've, I've always told you and, and your sisters, you know what, if you're smart, don't hide it. It makes no sense to hide your intelligence because if the person can't handle you being smart, then they don't need to be with you. If they are challenged by that, then perhaps they should take up the mantle of that challenge and then start getting a little bit of intellect. Now, this actually goes into more of what we were just listening to on chapter eight. Mm -hmm about him studying and leading. So, um, yeah, and, and I kind of I kind of dig the warrior type too, I guess, you know, your partner in, in the war. And if you've ever seen me and Mommy's characters when we had on our little games of, um, what do we play, Call of Duty and the, and the stuff that we built, it's like, yeah, the avatars. So let's get into chapter um, seven, he must be committed to children. What do you got for that? And then I'm going to get into why I said it should be the same thing for she should be committed. Um, well, I wrote down some of the quotes. Speak! Some of them are from the Bible, but some of them aren't. Uh, the first two are train them up as in children in all holiness. And then the second one is watch over every child with care, which I think both are important because, you know, you can't just, like, say your child falls off a swing set. You can't just let them break their arm and be like, here, put a Band-Aid on it, you'll be fine. Like, that's heartless and cold. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you should be able to take care of your children and give them emotional and physical support where they need it. Okay. Is okay. That uh, for those two, yeah. And committed to growing the family and wanting children. You forgot that part. I didn't even get to that yet. Okay. Um, I had... Okay, well, we'll go on before I say what I was going to say. Um, there are two different translations of the same Bible verse. I totally forgot the numbers, but I'm just going to read it. Um, blessed is the man whose quiver, whose quiver is full of them. And then the other one is blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. So, in the book. Right. He was talking about the two different translations that yeah. he has been getting into and the one that I like like the one that me and mommy like and I said it's a very literal translation and it's like it's in your face without all the fluff that you might get with the um, 
the message Bible, but the different translations. So the one that we had was the New American Standard Bible, N-A-S-B. And I think that was the translation he had. And then the second one that he had was, I believe it's the American Standard Bible, right? The A-S-B, the A-S-B, I think is what he said? E-S-B. The E-S-B, which is, no, the E-S-B would be the English. Yes. The English Standard Bible, and which that was the second translation was, the first one was, blessed is the man whose quiver, read it again. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, and the second one is, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Right. The second translation, I believe, is the ESB, which is the one who fills his quiver with them. Instead of the other one, it says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, the quiver we're talking about in archery and hunting and everything else is, well, the quiver would be what you hold the arrows in. And so... In the scripture, it says that, you know, blesses the man who has his quiver filled, because we're talking about children, who because the children are a blessing of the Lord or something like that. I'm not even going to try to quote that because I'm thinking too fast. And it's saying, you know, the guy who has these children of his youth and he, the one who's blessed, who has a whole quiver full of these children. So he has all these arrows. And I've heard this said many times in, in, um, in, in, in from the pulpit, from pastors talking about using those arrows and then shooting them out to where you want them to go. You know what I'm saying? So like you're, you're training these children that are like arrows and then you shoot them out into the world so they can go out into the world and do these great things. So, and I'll get to that because that kind of leans into something that I pulled from out of there. So there's that and then there's a the one who is blessed, who is filling his quiver full of this. So he is filling his home with children. He wants to have children. So he's filling his home with children. Now what you do with these children has been laid out from these past couple of chapters. And as we move forward, the other stuff, and as we go into this chapter, we'll hear more about that. But so you fill your quiver with these children. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, he goes and telling a story in this chapter about this couple, and we've said this last week, and we repeatedly say this, we have we have sat down and we watched movies going, y'all should have had that conversation before you got married. And with this couple, they had been together for how many years before they got married? Seven before they got married. Right, they were together for like seven years before they got married. I think they were only married for three and he had to counsel him and said from the beginning, he realized that this was not going to end well and it would probably end in divorce because the guy apparently was in another marriage and what attracted him to this woman who was how many years did you say it was? You said she was really young. Uh, I don't remember. He was at least 13 years older than her. I think is what we added. We calculated the, the, the thing when they were married, the age that they were. And then you were saying, wait a minute, that was seven years ago, so she was really young. Um, upon marrying her and being with her, he made her promise that she would never get pregnant because he didn't want to have children. And she agreed to this. They spent seven years together, and then when it came time to get married, again, he says, promise me you'll never get pregnant. Three years into the marriage, she's miserable. Miserable seeing other women with babies. She's miserable going to baby showers. She's miserable holding a child, and now here they are in counseling, and then we go to oopsie. What did he ask the guy, remember? No. So he talks to the guy. He said, I thought you, but if you love her, and the guy goes, well, I know what you're going to go with. If I love her, then why won't do this? Then he says, okay, so are you willing to let your wife walk out of this marriage? Um, I think he said in this, in this way, because you don't want to have children. Guy paused for a little bit. So I think that's how the story went, but I know how the story goes. I'm just trying to remember the acts, the, the, the exact words. So, mm -hmm. 
And guy goes, well, it hurts. It pains me to say this, but um, yes. So they end up in divorce. The moral of the story is, as the title of the chapter goes, he must be committed to children. What? You look like you're going to say something. No. So what I said is that, and she must be committed to children. You see, they both, it works on both ways. If the woman does not want to have children and is adamant about, I don't want any kids, I don't want to have any children, I don't want to have any children, number one, if she does get pregnant, she may never tell you and then just like kill the kid. I'm sorry, what's the nice way of putting it? Um, aborting the child. I'm sorry, what's the nice way of putting it for today's people? I'm not going to go there. You already know it. So she may just kill the child, terminate the pregnancy without you ever knowing because she just doesn't want to have children. And if he wants to have children, let's say your sons you're raising and she, he wants to have children, that's going to be a miserable relationship because she is not committed into having children and not committed in the family. So I say she also, but as we are talking about men for our daughters, he must be, yes, committed to having a family. You know, I, I, I have uh, one of my nephews who, you know, who brought a car and it's a fairly large truck. And I remember him telling me that, well, we want to have, we want our family to grow. I mean, they have a few now in their quiver and, you know, they want to expand that. I'm like, well, go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, he grew up in a big family. Um, we raised six kids. Uh, my sister has six and we're only two of us. And so he's committed and he's committed with his wife that they're going to be committed to raising children and to raising children in the Lord and to raising Christian children. And so... That's awesome because you don't see that a lot in young men, much less young women. And so when we talk about the quiver, um, th there's a lot of problems that I see right now in you know society about why bring children. And we see this a lot in movies. It's cliche. Why bring a child into this world? It's so filled with evil and bad and whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's destroying itself and blah, 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 blah. Here's the reason why. Why? So that your children can change the world? Absolutely. Because if you're called to have children, right? And um, I'm going back to Genesis. I can't think of the verse right now. My brain is spinning ahead of what I want to say. Um, and you're raising these children, quote unquote, in the Lord. You're raising these children to be a productive member of society. You're raising your children to be lovers of their neighbors and, 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 and doing all of these great things and building great character in them. Let's say you've got six kids and this is what you're doing. Then there may be evil in the world, but you're launching those arrows I was talking about in your quiver. You're launching these great arrows out into the world to be world changers. And they're bringing with them all the goodness that you need to change the world. Because if we stop doing that, then what you're left with is the trash that's there. So we'll never get better because we are not raising our children to be better. Mm -hmm. We're not creating our families to be better and to be better in society. So, yes, he must be committed to children. He must be committed into raising his children a particular way because there's a lot more you want to do, especially when we're talking about multiple generations. Um, that was pretty much all I had on that part. And then, you know, in investing and supporting his children, which I think you were leaning towards finishing up on, I don't know what you're going to do. Uh. Besides turning pages. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
After that was, you must be committed to investing in children. Um, I think that not only spiritually, but also just like, I don't know, socially. Too many times parents don't invest in their children's interests. And it's like, okay, if you could want your, ch your child to grow up and be in the finance business, but they can't have other interests b besides finances. Or you'd be like, well, if you play the violin, it'll be good on your whatever. But your child wants to play piano. Just let the kid play piano. Not everyone was made to be a violin prodigy. Sorry. If you have nothing to say, you're just staring. Oh, oh, because that's not what the Invest in Children was all about. I know. That's what you got it right. That's not what he meant by investing in children. And that is a good point to be made. Um, but more in investing is, is basically what I just said before. And yes, you see some of the interest that you might see as they're growing up. And yeah, you, you want to you wanna be able to help guide them in that way to use their God-given talents and investing in that. But it means investing your time that you're spending with them, that you're not doing a whole bunch of other stuff, but you're, you're investing in them and in the care of them so that they're growing up healthy and um, all the other good stuff. Yes, go ahead. Um, he was also talking about how you should be able to survive on your husband's income so that, well, I mean, you said so that your wife has the option to stay home if she wanted to. Um, I forgot where I was going to go with that, but yeah. Yes. Um... I mm, I don't totally disagree with that point. I agree with it because, as I said, you know, even um, when when I was going through school, and you maybe I'll talk about this when we get to chapter eight because it, it'll probably come up again. Um, is that yes? It would be nice. But we live in a, in a time where everything is so expensive. So be nice if you, as a provider and leader of your home, since your wife's primary care, you know, we, we're both created to have a family and to run the family. Now, if you do not have any children yet and you're both just working, that's not a problem. But if you are planning a family together, then this conversation needs to be made. How are we going to do this? Like, for example... Like, wife, are you going to be working and I'm going to be working? Who's going to take care of the kids? If you're going to go back to work right away, are we now going to be spending half of the other paycheck to pay somebody else to come and take care of our kid? Or can we live without that other paycheck and somebody be home and take care of the child? So it becomes a crazy thing when we live in a society we have right now. What? Um, I was going to say that also with being committed to children is planning for your children like me personally i don't know if i want to have kids within the first year of my marriage i would suggest that you don't exactly um then you can make sure that you have a stable income and a stable home and you have time together you know that me and mommy both had kids before we got together then we got together and we immediately had your brother after that and it took a while for you to show up but and we also did want that child so when we got together we didn't have time to know one another and to grow with one another because we had to now have we had an instant large family and we didn't have that time together then we had the baby which put on a lot of other stress right away so now we got five kids and we're doing all of this and in a small apartment before we got the new apartment we were all in a two-bedroom apartment which is where i start out at and then we got this place you know, about a year or so later. And it was it was a it was a difficult time, but because we decided that we were partnering and we were in this together, we made things work. And we've always said to young couples, and we've said to our own children, had they any of them listened to us? I'm not gonna answer that. <laughs> 
I think we, okay, no, they did not. And we've always told young couples, don't have children in your first year of marriage. It's just like we said, young Christian couples, young Christian kids, young Christians, um, do not get into a relationship right now. You have to spend time with the Lord working out your issues that you came to him with and that comes from your past. You can't now just come to church and find your church girl, church boy and say, hey, no, you need to work out your own relationship and your own faith before you start getting involved with someone else. And hopefully with the desire that you're going to marry this young man or woman. And we've said the same thing when we speak to young couples. Don't have a baby in your first year of marriage. The two of you are coming from two separate backgrounds and you're learning about each other. You're just moving in. It's going to be difficult to learn how to sleep in a bed with somebody else. You spent your entire, your entire life in a bed by yourself. And you need to grow with one another and learn with one another and then plan. Again, back to what I said. So if you're planning what's going to happen, you want to build this family. So is it that you're both going to be working? Going to get pregnant, have the baby a month later, you nurse the baby, you're pumping milk out or you're buying some Similac or whatever else it is and drop the baby off on somebody else who's going to be teaching the child whatever language they may speak if it's not English first. And their first words or whatever else they're going to learn is from that person that your child is with while you're off working. And then you have two incomes, but the equivalent of one of those incomes is going to be to employ someone else to help, to help, to help raise your children at this very young age of development, which is between one and five. And so I understand what he's saying about you should be looking for living off the husband's income. Mm -hmm. Where I disagree is because everything is expensive, but I agree with that. And here's how you make the adjustment. You make the adjustment where you move to some place that's less expensive and you are able to live off that income. And one would hope that he has a decent enough income where that can happen. We're not talking about you don't have a large income and right off the knot, you know, you're having three kids. You're stuck in a loop that you can't get out of and you can't move forward in. But that decision has to be made between the two of them and God and preferably having these conversations before you're married. Hold on. Now that we have your attention for the next few minutes or seconds, maybe even the next hour, okay, it won't be that long. Wanted to tell you about some new things that are coming up. You can support us by, as usual, as we've always said, but we have some new things that's going to be coming out in the next week or so. But in the meantime, we have a brand new Gmail that you can reach us at, and that's at whitebeardandtk at gmail.com. That's whitebeardandtk at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram. Where can they find us? At the Whitebeard and TK Podcast on Instagram. That's right. That's the Whitebeard and TK Podcast on Instagram. Back to the show. So, yeah. Um, that's where I am on that. And I, I think that this is where, like I said, a lot of young couples really need to sit and think about that and talk about that. And when we're raising our daughters to look for a guy who's got these qualities that he's thinking about this. And uh, we'll get into that in a second as we're moving into chapter eight. But again, you know, you, you, you want to be raising your sons to be this type of person that right from the beginning when he's planning this from being a young man or being a young boy, to growing into a teen, to becoming a man, to think about the future of his life. If he is planning to be married, or even if not, and it's you, it's down the line, and it's not as soon as he get out of high school or college, that's fine. He still should be building up, I was about to say equity, he still should be building up 
that bank account. He should still be building up all of these things and have this stuff in place that when you meet that young woman, bam, you're ready. All right, chapter eight is titled what? He must practice the four Ps. The four Ps. What are the four Ps? Prophet, priest, provider, and protector. Go on. Um, he must be a prophet to instruct and a priest to pray for slash with the family. Elaborate. That was me elaborating. That was you elaborating? You just read off your notes. That was me elaborating. Why do I have to do the heavy lifting here? Um, also to be a provider and a protector. Uh, not only like, hey, I brought some food from the store with the money from the job that I work. Again, I feel like Cook it, fool. Also, <laughs> Especially she's been home all day. Cook it, fool. Sorry. I feel like this also, again, goes with the emotional uh, side of things. It's like, I think you have to provide a safe place for your family. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that your child or whoever you're married to should ever feel like they can't talk to you about something. Mm -hmm. So I guess just create, like, a place of trust within the home. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, let's work this list maybe backwards or forward. Um, he talks about a story of a sermon by a, uh, I want to say an evangelist, 18th century. Name is George Whitfield. And he points to a number of times in this particular chapter about a sermon that he wrote, which was the great duty of family religion. And I meant to read that before we started this, but I totally forgot before we got to this particular chapter. And in this story, in this sermon, he talks about um, the, the, the importance of the father as a priest. I guess we're going to go from the priest. And, you know, being the priest in the home, the pastor in the home, and that how all of these things, and I think I've said this before, and I'm just forget it. I, I don't really remember everything that was said. But doing that and having that duty is that you're here to shepherd your people and you're here to read. And um, to, to take care of your family's spiritual needs. And there was something he said about he must... I forgot. See, I'm all over because I'm looking at notes. I hate looking at notes. I hate depending on notes. It's the same thing when I sung. I can't stand looking at the words because you get used to it. You move the words and you stumble and you cannot sing. Um, let's go to provider since you start out with provider. There's a story he tells about a guy named Roland Taylor, right? Yes. Um, I forgot what this man did. And I think this was under provider. No, this was under protector. Yes, it was under protector, and I said I was going to look it up. It is under protector. Oh, God, I'm looking at my stupid notes again. It was, I believe it was under protector. And what happened was this guy did something, and I think he was going to be put to death. Yes. And shortly before he was put to death, Let's go with this as provider and provider and protector because two things happen here. Um, in this thing, before he died, he wrote and sent his family a book. And at the end of the book, he says, do you remember? You can paraphrase. doesn't mean if you word for uh, word. The Lord gave me to you and now he takes me from you and you from me. But basically it was just about how, you know, don't be, like, upset or sad or think of him as dead, but that he's alive, you know, in heaven, in the afterlife, and he'll live forever with God. He also said, but the Lord will also provide a father for my children. And I guess, and I want to say a wife, because that's obvious, right? 
and a husband for my wife. So what he was saying is that, you know, the Lord given me to you and the Lord's taken me away. The Lord's gave you to me and the Lord's taken you away. And I now go over here and do this, but God will provide for you and he will provide this person to take care of my children. And then he nailed and prayed with his family before he was led off to his death. He nailed and prayed with his family, the Lord's prayer and the guards around him we're in tears watching this. Here's the second part of the story. Three years before he died, he went and adopted a girl from an orphanage. Ten. It was ten years. She was three years old. Ten years what? Before he died. She was three years old. Okay, so it was 10 years before he died. He adopted a three-year-old daughter. And taking her in, he provided for her spiritual needs, her physical needs. He raised her up and took care of her and loved on her, gave her this mom and everything else. And so you see this entire life of what he did to protect and provide for his family. And as he's dying as a martyr, here is this child right there with the wife, and everything else and he's off to his death and he stops and he prays with them before he goes wow how many young men have that type of heart beating in their chest that they would willingly lay down their lives for their family and that they would go off and do this thing for their family how many do we see we don't see much of that today. And if you turn on the TV and you turn on the news and you turn on modern television and movies today, you see the lack of this type of bravery. You see the lack of this type of courage in men, mm -hmm. both young and old. Forget about the little boys. And that's why when we saw um, 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 a maze runner and that kid led us like, whoa, back in the days when Maze would come like, wow, you don't see much of this anymore in movies as Hollywood is erasing masculinity in this such a way. Where they're erasing bravery, where they're erasing the guy who is the, 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 uh, the protector. They're removing this from young men. And so today when we're talking about raising our daughters to look for, for these men of bravery and courage and godly men, it's going to be really, really hard because where they're finding them from. Society is not producing much of these anymore. There's this family that we watch um, regularly, and, and I love watching on Sunday nights. We usually end our day with that so we can watch with the lights off um, the epic family road trip you guys should check them out on YouTube um, we binge through their first couple of years uh, we, we found them last year at this time during the quarantine and because I was preparing for the, the the year travel of road trips and camping and I was looking for some new ideas I wanted to learn how to do campfires and stuff and so I found this family I'm like who are these people and we kind of liked them and so we spent a harrowing, was it February or March? Mm -hmm. It's like all of March as we're watching them and they were going through some part of Canada and they got stuck in an avalanche and they spent quite some time. It was like a week, right? At least a week out there. Yeah. And so we're watching these short videos that there's uploading in between this and it drove us nuts watching this. So anyway, we find them. Now... We binge through their earlier work, well, me mostly, and so you get to see these little boys, <laughs> little preteen. Um, what's the younger brother's name? Daniel. Daniel. You get to see Daniel, and I said I, I, I'm going to say this to my Facebook one day. I mean, uh, on Instagram, but we we need to see a video, uh, uh, montage of Daniel's hairstyles, mm -hmm. which have drastically changed. Um. And you see these little guys, and I'm going to talk about Daniel, so that's where we're going with this. And we see these kids, because he was the youngest. I would say he was maybe 12 or so when they began all of this work, and they've been doing it for six years. And now Daniel's around your age, right? I think you're, you guys are around yeah. a, year, a year in age. 
This kid has grown into a lean, muscular young man. And we've seen him take a tree that they have chopped down by their bare hands and kept, look at your face, and carried on his back. Chopped stuff, shaved the things, built the thing, building fire. They made their own coals. And they're doing like, you know, mountain man stuff. Like man, man thing. And just watching this kid and I'm like, Oh my gosh. So when we listen to this chapter and we go over the thing we just read about this, this man dying for his family, I look at that boy, I look at that kid and go, that's an example of that, of courage and bravery. I mean, that's the type of family that he's kind of grown up in. And, you know, I was hoping that that's what I was raising in my own household. But you don't see that very much. But I see it in him, you know, as a, as a real person, as opposed to some of these people that you see on the internet and doing those things. But like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a difficult task to help our daughters shift through the nonsense to find this type of person that will provide in this particular way, that will protect in that particular way. Um, I mean, I have no more notes. And there was provider, what he said, he must have a job and he must have a plan. Because there's like too, too many young men that don't have a plan and it's like, you know, you don't want your daughter to marry a dreamer. Mm -hmm. You know, a dreamer talks all these great things and wants all these great things and has nothing to show for it. Which he said is different than a visionary. A visionary are people who would envision these things and every once in a while what they envision it, it comes to fruition. There are fruits from that. But also with the visionary is the visionary actually works hard towards the vision. The dreamer does nothing. And we've seen a couple of this in movies. Because as he says, you know, the dreamer is looking for the big break. How many times have we seen this in a movie? A lot. Yeah. Ned, um, the baby needs the milk. Okay, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out. Ned goes and robs the store, comes back with the milk. And she's tired of getting him out of jail. And said, well, you know what? If I can just get this big so-and-so, then we're, we'll be set up and we don't have to do this. And, and, and but like, nah, Ned, Ned's a fool. Mm. Ned's a fool and he going to be in jail and she's going to be left with the kid. So no Neds. Neds must go. Now, it's a difference between Ned and his brother, Ted. Ted goes, okay, we ain't got no food. What are we going to do about it? Um, I'm going to go down next door and ask them if we get some eggs just for tonight. We can make up something. We can have some eggs and some rice for dinner. Okay, cool. Then what's the next day? Ted's going to go outside and, and, and he's going to do some work, take his tools and figure out how he's going to work to get this stuff taken care of. And that's to take care of the immediate needs. But Ted also has, Ted's a visionary. He has a dream. What what could Ted possibly want to do? Okay, give me, he's a visionary. What what what? Build houses. He wants to build houses for a living. He wants to. He wants a construction company. What? He where wants to be an architect. He wants to be an architect. Okay, I mean he has to go to school. Yes. Okay, so he wants to be an architect, which means, what is he going to do? He lost his job at. He already has his architecture degree. No. He just can't find a job. No, so he he lost his job Ted? at Walmart. Goes to school, to get that degree, and in the meantime. He gets a job in construction. He works construction. He's doing a little landscaping. And during that is when he gets the bug to say, you know what? I like to do this, but I want to be an architect and do the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So Ted goes to this. His family is struggling a little bit while he's getting that going on. But he's getting close to his field and, and blah, 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 blah. Go on, go on, go on, go on. But that's it. Okay, so there you go. Ted's the visionary. And we say no to Ned and perhaps to Ted, which we probably did not have the best example of a visionary. But, you know, he must have a plan. What are we going to do? How are we going to get this done? Must have a job. Must have a plan. I mean, we really don't want our daughters to go and go, oh, well, he's really nice and makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, where do you work? Huh? Um, well, he 
he wants to work over here, but, um, you know, he nah, eh, wrong answer, hit the door. But, and, and that's the basics with anything in anybody, because if not, how are you going to eat? Unless you're independently wealthy, you inherited some money, there's no way in the world you're going to be able to eat and do these things without that. And, you know, to be able to have someone to have a plan for his family and um, that stuff that's, I yeah. can't remember, just <laughs> that, that other, that, uh, you're not going to, you're just going to let me hang out there and just, yeah. just dangle in the air and like, spin away like a leaf on the wind. How's that song go? Well, leaf on the wind. Hey, no man is an island. You're supposed to help me out here. So that was the uh, um, the pro, the the thing. Um, so forget it. I'm lost. Prophet. He must be a prophet. And what is a prophet's role? To lead the family in family worship. Yeah, sure. See, now I should just let you hang with dead air. Yes, if we talk about the prophets of old, these were the people that gave the instruction and led, you know, the people of God and so on. So when you're inside your house, are you reading the word? Are you reading it? And as we've said before, and he did a lot more into this, maybe this will spark something in your brain about washing your wife with the water, with the washing of the word. You know, you can only do that and you can only be the quote-unquote priest in the home or the pastor in the home to do this. If he is indeed reading, does he have a plan? Is he up reading his Bible? Is he, is he finding ways to lead worship in a family? And that doesn't mean you have sermons. That means, are you praying? You know, one of the things that, that you're called to do is to pray for, as you were saying with the priest, is to pray for his family and to pray with his family. Not to pick up the phone and go, hey, um, pastor or brother so-and-so, um, can you pray for me now, bro? Pray for yourself. You can reach out and have people, but there are a lot of men that won't do that, especially those who are not Christians. But if you're going to be marrying a Christian man, which he must first be, then you're looking for the character of a man that already exhibits I will pray for my family. I will pray with my family. And I will teach them this word and I will help them to grow. Mm -hmm. Because without that, you know, your children don't grow. And without that, your wife is not even encouraged in her faith. Can you imagine that? Yeah. You trying to read and worship and Durbin Dirtbag over there, or Durbin Doofus, whatever you want to call him, I don't know. He's not even concerned with your spiritual life. He's not concerned about, you know, what's that song you're singing or even wants to sing it with you. He could care less. And so she's in this battle alone, unable to be encouraged in her faith, unable to encourage her children if she's going to be instructed because she has no backup. Mm -hmm. And that's his job. To cover her. You know, me and mommy played um, Call of Duty together. What's the other one that we liked a lot? And we played a lot together. Um, Rainbow Six. Yes, Rainbow Six. And... No, it was Rainbow Six. It was a couple of games of Rainbow Six. And... Um, your mother as Overwatch? Oh, man, not a good idea. I got shot so many times. I'm like, Cheryl, come on, man. Cover me. I'm like, pew. I'm getting picked off. Pew. I'm getting picked. Like, what are you doing? What are you? You're the sniper. I'm going in, kicking down the doors. Your job is to watch my back. And so, you know, we, we learned how to play this game together. We had to split screen. Sometimes it's side by side. Sometimes it's above and on, on, on top. And so we would switch the roles. I'm like, you know what? 
I'm going to cover you. So I would do Overwatch. And while we're playing, we could be sitting side by side. But if you're looking at the screen, you can't always focus on all the stuff that's around you. But the other person who's playing the other role can see. So I'll be on the rooftop. Um, let's say if we're going Overwatch and she's going to breach, right? I'll be on the rooftop and I'm watching everybody. And as she's walking, I'm like coming at you 11 o'clock and she'll shoot that person 11 o'clock. I'm like, this, don't move this somebody in the roof. And I'm, I'm taking up the dude, the, the sniper on the roof. I'm taking out the person on her left and her right and behind her as she's approaching the door. When she gets to the door to secure the door, then I come down from Overwatch and we breach the door together. And when we go in together, before we walk into a door, the conversation was always this. Who's got the top? Who's got the bottom? If she says she's going in, she has the top and I have the bottom, then she's going in high, I'm going in low. So I would crotch down and that's how we enter the room. She's standing up. I crotch down and we pick which side of the room we're going to be looking at. She's looking at the left. I look at the right and we start clearing and we clear straight to the middle or we shoot straight through the door first, open the door, and then we sweep across in a clearing motion and we taking people out until we get to the middle and we walk each step of the way together. This is a type of prophet, provider, and priest and protector that we should be looking for with our daughters. And like I said, when you get to that point of being that priest in your home, you know, how is your wife encouraging her faith? If you're not even doing it, mm -hmm. you're not studying the word, you're not reading these good books, you're not, you know, in, in engaged in, in strengthening your own character, your own person to be able to do these things. And without that, she's just blowing in the wind. And like, really, seriously, is that what you want? No. I wouldn't want this for you. I wouldn't want this for any of my daughters. And I don't think any of us would want this. So this is very important stuff. And like I said, get this book. Get the audio book. But most importantly, as I started out with, we are talking about Christians marrying Christians. But these very same important principles can be for anyone. These are the standards that we ought to be looking for in suitors for our daughters and those guys who may come along who want to marry our daughters because here's the other important thing. These guys will be the fathers of your grandchildren. Let me repeat that. These guys will be the fathers of your grandchildren. Christian, hear me well. Non-Christian, father, mother, hear me well. These will be the fathers of your grandchildren. The direction of the generations that are going to come go from you to whoever comes in and is a parent of your grandchildren. And if you have your arrows and you're directing them out into the world, then they land and they find somebody else who has no clue and don't want to be involved with all of this. It made no point in you shooting your arrows in the right direction. Because your daughter is going to marry someone who could care less about the generations that's going to come after them. So this is all extremely important. And you're sitting there. Were you getting tired of standing? Yeah. This is so important. Immensely important. They will be the fathers of your grandchildren. So we need to help our children, our daughters choose wisely. But we also need to, as you parents are listening need to train your sons to be the type of person that a daughter would choose to marry. That's it. We'll catch you up next week. I think we have like four chapters left, so we'll be doing this for the next two weeks. And, um, and then we'll be finished and we'll move on to something else. I'm not going to say it because I've already said it enough, so I'm just going to wait and then we're just going to do it. So we will 
See you next week on The Book Nook, and that is it for today. We'll catch you here tomorrow for Road to 60. Um, a few things have happened over the past month, and tomorrow I'll be covering the topic of dealing with death. Not something I wanted to do. That wasn't my actual plan, but I'm going to shift this week's focus on something else and, and, and talk a little bit about that. So we'll see you soon. Say goodbye, kid. Bye. All right. Roll that music. <laughs>